Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer living on the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish people, otherwise known as Vancouver, Canada. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world to talk more about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious and prosperous existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey everyone, this is Surya. Welcome to A Voice for Love. And I'm very excited today to welcome my special guest, Sunit Kaur. Welcome, Sunit. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Thank you for being here. So can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself for anyone who doesn't know you? Okay, well, I'm Sunit and I'm a wife and a mom of two uh, twin boys who just turned 10. And I have a pretty long, extensive list of, um, you know, things that I've done in my lifetime, but it's primarily been in the areas of health and wellness, I guess you could say. I have, you know, I graduated many, many, many years ago with an undergraduate in health sciences and um, just kind of spent a lot of my kind of earlier post-university life in, you know, the world of um, exercise, research, athletic therapy, personal training, that kind of world. And then I eventually uh, ended up in the pharmaceutical industry and I spent a decade in that industry. So I would say that was more of the medical world. And then um, about five, almost six years ago now, I decided to leave the industry and kind of start my own business with, um, you know, holistic health. And I was really getting into mind, body, soul kind of wellness. And um, my dad passed away in that time, which kind of really led me to move more towards holistic health. And um, I was you know, teaching my kids to meditate and I went back and got my nutrition uh, practitioner certification. So I was just kind of in this place where I wanted to pull together all my years of like education experience within both pharmaceuticals and you know my undergraduate degree and then my nutrition education and yeah basically I just kind of you know wanted to start my own business doing something that kind of brought together all of the experience and education and everything that I had and uh, I was also you know a mom of young boys at the time and just decided I didn't want to be working the nine to five grind anymore um, especially once my dad passed away it just kind of you know it was like the catalyst for a different life for me. I just decided I want to be home with my kids. And then I launched uh, my own podcast, which has gone through many name changes, but it's now called The Holy Life. And uh, it's a holistic health and wellness podcast. And I started an online business with, you know, courses, health courses. I started doing coaching. So yeah, that's kind of pretty much my what I've been up to the last however many few decades. And uh and then COVID happened, you know, in March of 2020. And um, there's been a lot of changes in my life since I've, I've stepped back a little bit in my business. I've done more kind of speaking out, as you know, and I'm sure you're going to bring that up today about what's going on. And I also pulled my kids out of school to homeschool them. So my life has definitely changed a little bit. I'm not as active in my business now. But um, yeah, that's, that's basically who I am and what I do. Wonderful. Well, we're so happy to chat with you today. And yes, indeed, that is how I know who you are. And then why I asked you to come on was because I've been loving your your posts over the last few weeks um, during this time. So I bet you probably didn't think that you were going to, you know, blow up your social media by being the comeback to <laughs> by being the humorous comeback to our prime minister, right? Yeah. Well, to be honest, I mean, you know, for the longest time I was using my Instagram page as just a place to, you know, post whatever, a few pictures here and there, some motivational quotes, talk about my podcast, um, healthy cooking, like all that kind of stuff. And um, when COVID hit in March of 2020, I started becoming very, very vocal right away about what was going on. And I lost a ton of followers at that time. Uh, I had a lot of hate in my DMs. People were like attacking me. And I'm, I'm sure you can imagine the vitriol I was getting really early on because I spoke out immediately. And um, so it's been two years of me just kind of staying at the same place, <laughs> um, you know, from an Instagram standpoint, attracting a few new followers here and there. And then now recently with all the stuff that's been 
happening with, you know, politics and Trudeau. And um, I, you know, I wasn't even on Twitter. And I just got on there and kind of discovered it was a way to like, just kind of say quick one-liners of things that I thought and liked to say. And I started doing that and just screenshotting it and sharing it. And yeah, who knew that this was the time, right? It's all about timing. Like people are really craving that right now. Like they're craving that little bit of humor. I think everybody shares that disdain for him. And um, yeah, so that's, that's, <laughs> it's really blown up in the last little bit uh, for that reason. And I think it just speaks to how desperate everybody is for just a good laugh and something that we all share. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been saying that like since COVID started, I'm like, literally, thank God for everyone making us laugh right now because we just need it, you know? Like, it's just been so intense. And um, so good for you for speaking out, by the way, because I know that um, that's still something that a lot of people are so hesitant to do. And I would love to talk about that because that's a lot what this podcast is about, is like finding your voice and finding the courage to speak. And I'm really like, I always try to keep, I have very strong opinions about things and I've always worked really hard to find the middle ground. So it's not about people speaking about what I believe in. It's about, you know, helping people speak about what it is that they believe in. So I'm curious, like, did you just feel that push in you when COVID started? Like you had to speak about it or, and then you were willing to go through all of that because this is, this is what happens. And I know that you're not alone in this is that people who have been speaking out about this, especially from the beginning, have gotten a lot of backlash. So I'm curious what that process was like for you. Yeah. So, you know, it actually started for me, like, I, I don't know if you remember, but back in February, there was those little rumblings and we were seeing stuff coming out of China. Like oh, my best friend sent me this video of people just dropping dead on the street. And she was like, oh my God, this is terrifying. And right away I was like, that's weird. People don't just drop dead on the street. Like that's so bizarre. And, you know, because I had been in the pharmaceutical industry for so long um, and I've been in the, I don't know if I can talk about the V word on here, but like, you know, when it comes to like vaccines, injections. Oh, it's totally fine. I actually did an episode on it and that's literally what I called it. I called it the V word because I'm like, like people, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've been in that fight for a long time. Like I've been a mom for 10 years. So I've been researching that for a long time and I was in the industry for a long time and just, I, I kind of know that there's a big curtain that many of us are not privy to see behind. And so I look at everything, you know, I don't always trust the mainstream. I know what goes on behind the scenes in pharmaceuticals. So I'm, I was just looking at everything with like a more curious kind of an eye, like, what is this? Plus, um, you know, I don't know if people know this, but China, China is a very locked down society. They have been for a long time. So you don't see anything coming out of China unless China wants you to see it. Right. So that was the other thing for me. It's like, this is coming out of China. They're allowing us to see this. Like this is bizarre. So my spidey senses were tingling right away. As soon as I heard about it, I remember going on a field trip with my kids class and I was sitting beside, you know, another mom and she was so, she was like, oh my God, I'm so scared about what's going on in China. And I just laughed. I was like, oh, I'm not. I said, I just think, you know, they're, they're making a big deal about this. I don't think it's anything at all. And then fast forward, um, we had a spring break trip booked to Mexico. Literally, I think we were leaving like March 14th or something like that. And March 13th, that week, so that week before, so we were leaving on a Saturday and that week leading up to it was when they were talking about shutting everything down and, you know, cancel your plans, cancel your vacation. And I just had this feeling, Surya, that if we don't go on this trip now, we might not be going for a long time because they just kept saying, you know, get a, like, get a, what do you call it? Like, you know, postpone your trip or, you know, get a credit And um, we always take, you know, we go to Mexico, we go for 10 to 14 days, we stay in a really nice place, we really enjoy ourselves because we don't take like a ton of big vacations. And so that's our one like big vacation every year. And I just thought to myself, if we don't go now, I have a feeling we're not going to go like for a long time. I just knew something big was coming. And um, so we went anyway. So everybody was canceling their trip except us. We were like, nope, we're still going to (laughs) go. And everybody was like, you guys are crazy. Like, I can't believe you're still going and you're not going to be able to return home and all this stuff. And we were just like, whatever, you know, this is, I I actually did a podcast interview when I got back about 
really what it means to tune into your intuition at times like this, which so many people do not do. But my gut and my intuition, like I'm very tuned in. And so I just knew that we needed to go and we needed to enjoy ourselves because we weren't going to go for a while after that. And so we went and it was just so funny because, you know, I did get that a little bit of a feeling before we headed for the airport the next morning, like, oh gosh, like, are we doing the right thing? Is this a good idea? But then literally like, The second we got on the plane, I just, first of all, the plane was like the emptiest airplane I've ever seen, but there was a bridal party on there. So you can imagine, right? If you're a bride and you're about to get married in Mexico and all this is going down and you're probably so stressed out and then you finally decide that you're still going to get married in Mexico and you get on the plane, like you can imagine the vibe on that plane. It was first of all, like, the plane was spick and span clean, like the cleanest plane I've ever been on. They play sanitize the crap out of it. And it was not even half full. You know, we were up at the front. We got to sit wherever we wanted. And the whole bridal party was there. And the bride was just in the best mood. She's having her Baileys and Starbucks. It's like eight o'clock in the morning. And it was just such a good vibe. And I instantly knew we made the right choice. We made the right choice to go on this trip. Who knows what's going to happen over the next 10 days, but I'm glad we're going. And we went and we got there. And, you know, there was no COVID in Mexico at that time. It was only like North America and Mexico was still pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. But slowly over the week, you know, um, back home, we owned a few businesses. The businesses were ordered to shut down and we were hearing what was going on in Canada. Then they started slowly talking about shutting stuff down in Mexico. So we kind of saw the progression of it while we were there. So it stole a little bit of our joy from us near, I'd say, closer to the end. Um, And then closer to the end, it became, if you're Canadian and you're away, you must come home now. Like it was one of those things. Um, And we came home at the time we were scheduled to come home and, you know, it wasn't no real issues or anything like that. But the whole time I was in Mexico, I just could not believe how people were just buying this hook, line and sinker. And so I was going down deep, deep rabbit holes, staying up late at night, posting stuff to my Instagram. I had people saying, you're in Mexico. Do you have any idea what's going on in the world? Like stuff like that. And uh, people are dying and on and on and on. And I, I, I honestly did receive a lot of vitriol and it used to give me anxiety to open my Instagram because I had no idea who was going to show up that day. I lost so many followers. I had essential oils and holistic health customers that were like, you know, I'm, I'm done with you kind of thing. I'm not going to be coming to you for business anymore. But I just, right is right and wrong is wrong. That's how I look at it. And for me, I knew there was something very fishy about this and I wasn't going to budge on my, my beliefs and my values. And this is what I truly believe. And I, you know, I sometimes look back at the stuff that I was sharing two years ago and it's like every single one of those things has come true. So, you know, they say like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist anymore. I'm just a crystal ball. It's like, I can literally tell you what's coming. Uh, Everything I've predicted was going to happen has happened. Everything I was talking about has come true And so, and that's just always been me. You know, I've always kind of worn my heart on my sleeve. I say it like it is. I don't really filter myself. And a lot of people have, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but there are people in my life who've had issue with that. And I make no apology for that. And I was like, I'm not about to make an apology for it, you know, now at this time. So yeah, that's kind of was my journey of how that all went. And I you know, I, I have just not stopped speaking ever since then. And I've been very against everything that's going on. Um, I'm not a fan of the, you know, masks on kids. Um, yeah, as soon as I started just seeing how this was affecting our children, I was like, okay, we're, we need to pull our kids out. And then I went deeper down the rabbit hole of that whole, you know, education system and the programming and the indoctrination that happens there. So yeah, I'm going on and on here, but basically that was my kind of how I started in this space. And pretty soon it's like, it's all I was talking about. I wasn't even talking about my business anymore. I wasn't talking about my podcast. I wasn't talking about holistic health. It's like, I was just constantly sharing, trying to like, you know, that meme where you're like literally physically trying to open someone's eyes with your hands. Like, I just feel like that's what I was trying to do. Like, look over here. This is, everything is not what it seems. And that's just been the journey I've been on now for, I can't believe it's been two years, but yeah, almost two years now. 
Well, thank you for sharing that. And again, thank you for having the courage to speak because so many don't. And so you made so many amazing points there. One of them was you're the, one of the only people that I've ever heard to say that, which is what I've been saying too, because I've been to China. So I went to China with my Tibetan Buddhist teacher. We were chased out of Tibet by police. Like we were like, it's like full lockdown there. Even when you say things in China, like on the phone, like they'll like hang up on you. Like the, like you said, like they, it's very tight. I couldn't even get, I'm a musician. I couldn't even get my, I was working on some with my producers they couldn't even send me music tracks there there's no facebook there's no you know so china is very internalized as far as Mm -hmm. you know contact so that's what i kept saying too and i was like you guys like china doesn't like nothing gets leaked out of china if something bad is happening in china which there is you know there's actually like a real life holocaust going on there right now that many people don't know about that's the perfect example to me i was like listen there's this genocide going on in China right now affecting about a million people that most of the world doesn't know about. So all of a sudden, and like you said, yeah, these people are just falling over in the streets and it's supposed to be this big. So I was, I like you also was, um, you know, very suspicious from the get go. And and the next point that I really want to get into, which is so interesting. So, and we all know this, it's like, you know, the memes going around, it's like after what's transpired in the past two years, it's like, I now identify as a prophet, right? (laughs) Cause it's like, and we're like, hello. And again, to some of us from the get go, it was, very obvious that even if we didn't know exactly what was going on, like it was, it was fishy, you know, it's like, okay, something is just not right here. And so then what, now what I find so interesting is that after two years of this, there are still so many people who refuse to, or cannot, or are unable to see a different picture of what's going on that some of us have seen all along like Mm -hmm. I mean and uh, this is what I find so interesting and it actually sort of concerns me at this point because it's like okay there's all this evidence now that has you know it feels like by the day more and more information is coming to light that is in support of what many of us have seen from the get-go and yet so many people still are not they're they're unable to see this and why, why do you think this is do you have any ideas well I mean first of all I think that the programming is deep. You know, I mean, I talk about this with people all the time about, you know, um, what makes somebody be more tuned into themselves and really ask more questions and not just believe everything that's shown to them versus somebody who just kind of takes it all in. And, you know, there's a lot of theories out there. Like some people say, oh, it's the people who are more educated and really indoctrinated by the system. And some people say it's just the people who are just watching TV all the time. Honestly, I think it's a very complex formula of what really makes somebody ask questions, look at things from all sides, not just accept everything that's fed to them. So that's one thing, you know, there's there's that complicated formula out there. We don't really know what it is, but it's a combination of things. Um, I also think that your life experiences play a huge role. You know, somebody who's been through trauma in their life, somebody who's been through really hard times, somebody who's been through um, being with an abuser, like anything that you want to relate to what's happening right now, those people are much more likely if they've been through a hard time and gotten out of it to now see what is happening for what it is. If you have lived a primarily um, burden-free life with no trauma, no difficulty, hardly any, you know, barriers or hurdles to overcome. And things have just been easy peasy for you. And, you know, you went to school and you got your degree or whatever you did. You may be much, much less likely to question things. You may be much less likely to, because you don't recognize that trauma. You don't recognize that, hey, these people are doing something to us. Like this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel appropriate. So, I think that's that's kind of one aspect of it. The other side of it is there is some major just cognitive dissonance. I think it's really hard for people to admit that they may have been fooled, right? Like what's that saying? It's easier to fool someone than it is to convince them they've been fooled. And, you know, I've been in, like I said, the vaccine fight for a long time, way before COVID ever happened. I, I've been in that um, place of understanding, you know, exactly like what's happening on that front with children and the schedules increasing. And these vaccines are seriously harming some children, like they really are. And even parents, you know, who you could talk to somebody who's 
child is just fine and say, you know, my child, my child, my children are healthy, but like, let's just say I was somebody whose child was injured from a vaccine. I could say to you, you know, my child was injured and some people just have such a hard time connecting with that. You know, it's like, they don't want to believe that they did something to their child that could have harmed their child. Like, that's a hard thing to admit that maybe you didn't quite do your homework. You just kind of accepted it for what it was. And now you've got somebody sitting across from you saying their child was injured. I think psychologically, like that type of cognitive dissonance is really hard to get around because people don't want to go there. They don't want to let their mind go there. And I think that's very similar to just what's happening right now. It's like, okay, it's been two years. Yes, a lot more people are waking up. But imagine how hard that might be for somebody who, you know, just kind of went and lined up for their shots and just been listening to the news for two years and put on their mask and didn't see their family. Like, can you imagine there are people who have not seen their family? I mean, it is, I'm just, it's just mind blowing. But I just think to myself, that would be a very hard thing to really, you have to be a big person, a very evolved person to step back and go, wait a minute. I think I've been duped. I think these things are not lining up. You know, I, I still know people who, even right now, like, you know, they, they think the Freedom Convoy is a white supremacist group and they think that, you know, they're lining up for their third shot and their fourth shot. And, and you know what? I just, I think we're at this place. Society is, there's a split happening. There's an ascension happening. Um, and the people who are happy to stay where they are, where they are, literally co-creating the world that they're going to end up living in, and and I'm fine with that. It's like I I I think the time is over to try to convince anybody or open anybody's eyes. I mean, at this point, if you don't see it, I used I used to hate saying this. I used to hate saying if you don't see it by now, you're never going to see it because I believe people can change. But really, it's been two years. We got a virus with a 99.7% survival rate. Like you were pushing a mandatory jab. Canada is the only country that hasn't, you know, completely opened up. BC is the worst probably place to live in the world right now. I mean, there's so many more things I could go on and on, but I think it's a combination of things. And I just truly feel like even the people like, you know, I think I'll, I'll give you an example. There's, a couple of people in my life who I'm very close to who um, they're older, they're elderly and they, they know something shady is going on. Okay. They don't speak English very well. Um, they just watch the news, you know, on repeat, they know something's uh, weird is going on, but they're still scared of the virus and they're also happily vaccinated. And that to me is kind of epitomizes what a lot of people are, which is like, well, they know something's not quite right, but when all they do is watch the news, which is just the, a form of brainwashing, um, it's really hard to say, oh, well, like they don't want to admit that maybe their government is in on some sort of big thing that is way bigger than this. It's hard for them to even wrap their head around that. So they're just more, you know, people are just more simple minded. They're just like, oh yeah, something, it doesn't all add up. But I mean, like, why would they want to hurt us? Why would they be doing anything? Like what's, it's just too deep of a rabbit hole to ever get into with anybody who hasn't taken the time to go down at themselves. Like, oh yeah, but why would they do that? Like, and they just make excuses for the government. So I just think we're at that place where there's this different levels of cognitive dissonance or people who don't really want to go there. And I think, I think that's okay. I think our energy is better spent elsewhere at this point. Yes. Thank you for saying that. And that was a big process of mine. Um, not just in this situation, but in life for a long time, because like you, you know, I sort of had my awakening almost two decades ago now. And so again, I've been, I've had a lot, I've thought about this a lot because I'm like, okay, I've had so much time to, to understand this concept. And a big part of my awakening was understanding what's really going on in the world, which confirmed a feeling that I'd had my entire life since I was a child. Like when I would watch TV and when I would look around in the world, I would be kind of like, Hmm, like there's something not right about this, like this place like this planet I'm like I can't quite put my finger on it but something's not right and then that was all revealed to me um 
you know, about, about 20 years ago. And that was a big part of my sort of big spiritual awakening. So I've had a lot of time to sort of assimilate this and know, and like you as well, I've also been aware of the, um, I had a vaccine injury as a teenager. I believe that it is one of the, what caused my ADD. And this became more clear to me when I started working with a young autistic girl, um, more than 10 years ago now. And her mother, like many mothers of, um, autistic children and other children with various, um, immune issues and all kinds of issues they will swear that their child was completely normal until they got a vaccine and they changed overnight. And after you hear enough of these stories and then getting very close, the woman and her daughter, they're like family to me now. We're very close. And, you know, you hear enough of these stories and you start to understand. And me spending time with the autistic girl, I would kind of think, you know, she's almost like a more extreme version of how I feel in my head with my cognitive issues, with my neurodivergency and my ADHD. And I was kind of like, it's interesting. Like, I almost feel like they're connected somehow. And, And if you look at the rates of all of these things since the vaccinations schedule has continued to increase, all of these things are skyrocketing. And again, it's not every child who's necessarily going to react, but just because they don't have this immediate reaction, we don't know what it's doing long-term really, because we don't have the, we don't have the time. We don't have the data, like any of these things. And we don't also have transparency or honesty. And I really want to echo what you said there about, because I both experienced this myself in sharing my own story, which I almost don't even like to share because it's not about me getting sympathy for myself, but I find that people are so quick to dismiss like when I've told people about my experience they say oh that never happened to you like full-on gaslighting and I've seen this happen to so many people when sharing their injuries like there's a woman that I follow on Instagram and her child died after a vaccination and it's heartbreaking and she gets slammed. She gets hate mail and she gets like, she's been labeled as because her case is becoming quite public now. And so on top of losing her baby, which as any, anyone can imagine or any mother and you know, of course yep. we can, it was heartbreaking on top of that. Now she has to deal with these attacks of people calling her, you know, this horrible person and like saying that she's lying. Like, what is she lying for? This is what I always say. Like, why would it simple individuals like me, and yourself and all these people, why would we go up against big pharma? Just little old us, you know, against this multi-billion dollar machine. Like, obviously we're not going to be put ourselves in that position unless there's a reason for it. And yeah. many of the people that I know, like us that have been aware of this for a long time or are fighting it or trying to raise awareness of it, it is because we either had an injury ourselves, we know somebody who did, our child did, and that is what shifted our perspective and allowed us to, you know, sent us down these rabbit holes, which are, far, which are harder and harder to find now because of the way that they are now structuring the information on the internet. And that scares me a little bit because I find now when I, when I used to do research a few years ago, it was a lot easier to find different sources of information, but now it's become harder and harder to find objective information. And it's actually a lot of the information is hidden now, which is not, that is not great. (laughs) No, absolutely. So yeah. So thank you for, um, yeah. Thank you for speaking up at the beginning too, because I know I was really, I, I, I knew it was what, it, what was going on from the get go as well. And I also, and it's funny because like you, like I'm intuitive and I heard like when it first started, I was like praying about it and I was like, what's going on. And I heard spirit say to me the great reset. And I was like, and I was like, Oh, is this like the, the awakening of humanity? That's what I thought. And little did I know that it was, you know, the great reset is the actual name of the globalist plan. You know, I did, I found that out like very quickly after that. And then I heard the word experiment and I was like, what do they mean experiment? Like, what is that? And now, you know, we know what's going on and something else that you said too, about how a lot of these people, like your, your friends who are elderly, like they actually know that happened with a couple people close to me when they were about to go, you know, I was trying to offer them some different information and, you know, maybe um, what's the word not stop them but um delay them from going and you know getting their shots and um one person said to me I know it's experimental I don't care I'm going to get it anyway and I was like okay so again and I know other people who fully saw what was going on and they did care they just went and and did it anyway so I find the whole thing is very interesting how everyone has chosen to go about it right Yeah. And I think too, sometimes it's not just that it's like, they know it's experimental, but it's like, they, they know something weird is going on, but they're still scared of COVID. So they want to get the vaccine to be safe, which I get like, you know, I, I, I have enough empathy to say, okay, listen, like if you truly believe that it's the best thing to do for your health, then you should do it. But I'm a fan of informed consent, which is not happening right now. Like people are not getting all the proper information. They don't understand the risks versus benefits. Um, And so that's my issue. And I also don't like it 
when people are like, well, you know, I don't really want to get it, but I want to be able to participate in society. I want to be able to travel. I want to go to a restaurant. It's like, we've completely, you know, I, I just laugh because like I mentioned, I spent a decade in the pharmaceutical industry. You know, I, I, I'm very familiar with how that industry works to ever think that I would go in, you know, my, one of my jobs that I held during that time was literally to go, you know, educate market to my doctors about some of the new drugs I was launching and talk about, you know, like the, the, the trials and the data and the, the, how this medication was going to benefit the patient. Can you imagine? I, I just laugh thinking about a time when I would have ever gone into a doctor's office and been like, oh, you know, they need to get this so they can eat out at a restaurant. I mean, that's insanity, right? Like, that's why I'm so actually shocked by how much of the medical profession has not spoken out at this time. Because when I was in the industry, yes, there's a shady side to it, but I have to say, for the most part, most medical doctors, you know, I had to work for it. Like I had to, they want to know, okay, what is the safety? How long was this studied for? Um, I would have a, a brand new drug that I'm trying to launch that went through the proper, proper trials and testing, which can be 10 to 15 years. And this drug is finally coming out on the market and I'm now trying to promote it and educate the doctors about it. And I've got doctors saying to me, well, it's too new. I'm not comfortable giving this to my patients yet. And that's something that's been through the proper trials. And now we have this experimental injection that was warp speed, quote unquote, um, hasn't gone through the proper testing. And they're literally bribing people. It's mind blowing to me how many medical professionals are not speaking out against it. I mean, I understand there's a lot of politics involved and these people are being silenced by their colleges and, you know, they're going to lose their licenses if they speak out. But honestly, it's, it's truly disturbing because like I said, I, I'm familiar with that industry. I understand how it works. And I mean, mind you, I wasn't in vaccines, which vaccines are considered a biologic. So it's a little different arm of pharmaceuticals. Um, but still, I mean, you know, I worked for an ethical company and I, I sold drugs that were life-saving for some people, but I know the magnifying glass that I was under every time I shared data with a doctor or information or, you know, like I said, like there's a shady side to the industry, but then there is the side where for the most part, medical doctors want to do no harm. They don't want to push their patient into doing something they're not comfortable with. That's so, you know, and I don't know. I mean, now it's like medical doctors aren't even the ones giving the injections. They're just happening at pop-up clinics and here and there. And so maybe that has, you know, part partly to do with it. They're not even being marketed to. The government is the marketing agency, right? I mean, who needs a multi-billion dollar marketing budget when the government is pushing this for you and, and making it like practically law that you have to have it to do anything. So yeah, I think there's a multitude of reasons why people get it, but it's wrong. If you're not taking it for any reason other than because you truly believe it's going to keep you safe, then you, you've been coerced into taking it. And, and I feel very strongly about that. And it makes me really sad that we're at this place. Yeah, absolutely. And what a what a gift really in so many ways that you did work in the pharmaceutical the pharmaceutical industry. So you do have some awareness. And and this is something that's crossed my mind so many times as well. And I was sort of debating with a doctor about this one day and and I mentioned like the VAERS, you know, like the vaccine adverse reporting system and you know there's also one called Vigi Access, which is the mm -hmm. WHO one. Now, these are all official sites that are set up by the government for the specific reason to log vaccine injuries because they happen, right? And so the data on both of the like uh, on both of these sites worldwide is like off the charts, you know, like the amount of deaths and injuries that have come from this particular vaccine. I've looked at it myself. I've actually like looked at the chart and like looked at all the things and it's quite frightening, actually. And yeah. there's one doctor that I was debating with. She was like, well, you know, VAERS isn't accurate. And I'm like, well, first of all, what is the point of it even being there if it's not accurate? And second of all, even if only a fraction of these deaths and injuries is true, this should be concerning right then and there, you 
know, one child, like it's just, it's, it is, it's mind boggling. And I've heard this word so many times used, like, this is what I hear people like us kind of saying over and over again, like it has become mind boggling the amount of, I guess it is cognitive dissonance really that it is that people are in now. And I don't know if the doctors are being, I'm, I'm not really sure what's going on there. Like I've heard that they're being, again, it's, it's hard to tell. I'm, I'm quite careful not to, um, you know, go off on tangents of like too many different information if I don't know where it comes from, because I, I think especially like in our position, it's so important to try to be educated and to present in a way that's, um, you know, that's not not going too far out there. But, you know, of course, the rumors are that the doctors have been either paid or subsidized to tell people to give the shots and whatnot. But it, it does actually seem like they legitimately just don't they don't see or they don't make the connection because I have some friends that have gotten it and have gotten issues afterwards that they never had prior to the jab. They they had immediately following the jab and the doctors will just say to them, oh, it has nothing to do with the jab. And I'm like, how is this even making sense? Like, even if you're not a doctor, it, it should, you know, there should be some connection made, you know? So it's, it's quite frightening, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, to, to, to your point about um, the doctor who said that VAERS isn't accurate, well, she's right. It's not accurate. In fact, it's reported that, um, I, I think Harvard did a study that showed that in fact, it's between, it's a big gap, but it's only between one and 10% of injury that's even captured on theirs. So she's right. It's not accurate. It's way underreported. And, you know, as somebody who worked in the industry, I can speak to this for a fact. What a lot of people don't know is um, that when you experience a, any side effect. So, you know, let's say you went to the doctor and your doctor gave you blood pressure medication. And then you started on that medication and your hair started falling out. You have no idea if it's connected, but the, the whole idea is the doctors will say to you, listen, take this for a few days, uh, you know, take it for a week, let me know how you're feeling, and then check back in with me if there's any issues. And then the idea is that the patient is supposed to go back to the doctor, or, you know, follow up, and they're supposed to, you know, say, hey, you know, I started taking the medication. Yeah, my blood pressure seems better, but my hair is falling out. Okay, so this is just an example. And then the doctor's job at that point is to report that to the reporting agency. Every country has their own, um, you know, here in Canada, they've got their own kind of systems for reporting, but also they have to report that to the company. Okay. And so one of my jobs that I held in that, you know, 10 years of doing that job, one of my roles was, you know, earlier on as a sales rep is I was bound by law that if a doctor said to me, Hey, yeah, you know, I've been prescribing this medication, but you know, I've had a patient come back and said that their hair was falling out my job. And we were, we were trained very, very strictly on this because, and this is where I say, sometimes I feel like maybe the vaccine industry is a little bit different, but in what I was doing, pharmaceuticals, if somebody says to you, uh, if a doctor says to you, oh yeah, my patient, the complaint, their hair is falling out. It's my job to say, did you report that? Did you report that to the company? And did you report it to Health Canada? And if they say that they didn't, then it was my job to do that. And I was bound by like a legally signed document um, because we had to make notes every day, like call notes, you know, what did we talk about with the doctors, et cetera, et cetera. People don't understand how stringent actually the industry is and the stringent guidelines that it's held to. Um, uh, and again, I'm not saying there's not shady stuff that happens, but the, what the company is saying to us is you must do everything by the book because if we get audited, you know, they can read your call notes. If it turns out that you mentioned that there was a side effect and you never reported it, we get in big trouble for that, blah, blah, blah. So my point is, is that that is actually, you know, a systematic kind of way that things are supposed to be reported. And as somebody who was often at the receiving end of hearing feedback about drugs, I can tell you 99 0.9% of the time, the doctor would say, no, I didn't report that. That's a, that's a fact. They're happy to mention it to me in passing, but they don't take the time. And, and you can imagine doctors are very busy. They can barely keep up with what they're doing. They don't want to sit down and have to report that to, to anybody. It's extra paperwork for them. So they don't do it. They do it to us. So now if I become aware of that information. I am bound by law to make a report on that. 
And of course, it was drilled into me that it was my job. I could be held legally liable if I didn't report it. So of course, like I'm a good ethical person. I always did if I heard of anything. But you know, I think about how much of that just gets lost in translation. Like how many, first of all, patients even would mention that to their doctor? Hey, I lost hair after I started taking blood pressure medication. You know, after I got my vaccine, maybe something happened, but you didn't connect the dots, you know? Um, And then you didn't report it to your doctor. And then out of the people who do report it to their doctor, how many doctors are reporting it? And then out of the doctors that are reporting it, like, you know what I mean? It's like along the way, so much gets lost slowly, slowly, slowly to the point where it's like, oh yeah, of course you're not, you're not hearing about this. And so to me, it's like, man, even if we're hearing a little bit, that means behind the scenes, there's actually a lot there's a lot of side effects going on that we're not hearing about because so much gets lost in translation along the way. And that goes for doctors, that goes for veyers, that goes for everything. Not everything is reported, not even close. Well, no, it's not. And this is exactly speaks to why many nurses did not want to and medical staff didn't want to get it because they were the ones who were seeing people come in and dealing with the, you know, the reactions that some people have been having. Right. So that was, you know, that was part of the reason. But um, yeah, so thank you for sharing that, by the way. That's like such valuable information. I so value people that can kind of bridge both sides. And I just think that, I mean, for me, even watching my own Facebook page and the number of people or just even on Facebook, on social media, or like in life of people who I know personally who have known somebody that has had either a reaction or died. Like I've had, I've heard all kinds of stories, like people dying, sitting up on their, sitting straight up on their couch, like calling a friend, like, oh, hey, I just had my second job. Like, I don't feel very good. And that was like the last phone call they ever made and like this really weird stuff like people just collapsing people falling mm-hmm. over like it's very it's very strange and so again like I just don't I, I don't know again I don't know what's going on with the doctors or if, if they're not connected I think it's again it's very complex right I think maybe some are not connecting the dots some don't want to see it some are being threatened and coerced some are being you know there's so much pressure and there's so much backlash unfortunately with the doctors who do speak yeah. up against yeah. this you know unfortunately there's been some really awful things that have happened to some of the people so I think in some ways I think it's like divine like people like us are actually in a good position to be able to speak about this because we don't um, you know I know a lot of my friends who are like maybe chiropractors or naturopaths or those Mm -hmm. types of professions, you know, they cannot speak about this at all. Even though a lot of them have very strong opinions about what is going on that is contrary to the mainstream narrative, but they, they cannot, they, they can't say anything because they'll lose their licenses as well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The government's definitely got a stronghold on all the colleges, all the professions, I mean, it's just flat up wrong what's happening right now. Honestly, I just, every day I wake up, I'm like, I can't even believe that this is our reality. I can't even believe this is actually happening right now. So much of it is illegal and wrong. I mean, keeping people from being able to earn an income just because they won't get a jab, which by the way, doesn't prevent you from getting sick or transmitting. I mean, it just makes zero sense. So yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy town. We're living in a really crazy world right now. Yeah, we are. And I and I want to affirm what you said as well about the, the sort of split. And that was something I've heard spoken about in many sort of spiritual texts and books that I've been reading over the years. They would talk about basically, you know, many people had this vision of like there would be two different worlds emerging. And mm-hmm. I sort of saw I sort of saw the same thing at the beginning of COVID. I had this experience where remember when like everything was about to get shut down and everybody was rushing out to the stores, like buying everything like toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, My friend and I did a huge shop, including toilet paper. And we were coming out with my son and this couple stopped to help us and load the card. It was like so nice. We had this nice, like really nice heartfelt exchange. And I just had this flash of seeing like the world was going to go in two directions. Like the people who were kind of ascending or becoming more enlightened or whatever the language is that you want to Mm -hmm. say around it. Like we would be moving into these spaces of like, you know, expansive love and bliss and happiness and joy and service and community. And other people were just going to be, you know, in, in fear. And you can see this happening and it's really it really speaks to, I mean, we, we, some of us have known this for so long, but fear is just such an easy way to control people, isn't it? It's like put people in fear and all of a sudden they become desperate and they will do anything. Absolutely. I, that was the, one of the first things I said, I remember just sitting in Mexico with my husband and, you know, we're sitting there, we're trying to manage our businesses are being shut down back home. And, um, 
I remember being on a chat with a family, like a family chat with a bunch of people back home who were like, what are you guys doing? Like you're in Mexico, your businesses are shutting down. Like, you know, what's going on? And you guys should come home. And everybody's just panicking and freaking out. And I remember writing in that chat, um, you know, like fear, the government uses fear as a way to control people, right? Like they were basically telling people, get on a plane and get home right now or you're not gonna be able to get back. And, and people just, listen to that and then they go nuts and i'm thinking i I said i said to my husband we're canadian citizens we we will get back into the country they're not going to not let us back in like this is insane what you know people are messaging us and going crazy like i do my research i knew what our situation was i knew we were going to be able to get home anyway i said that to this you know in this chat like fear is a way to control people i know what that person said to me he said i don't believe in those conspiracy theories (laughs) Like, you think that's a conspiracy theory? Oh, dude, just wait until you see what else I have to say. Like, that's not a conspiracy theory. That's not even, that's just a fact. That's like, you know, like fear. You, you, uh, that is a typical way that we control anybody. Look at even, you're a mom. I mean, you know, it's like that, like, you know, you, you try to be a better parent all the time, but it's just like, well, you better do this or else that, right? Like you scare them so that you can control them into doing something you want them to do. I mean, this is just a, this is a human nature. You give a little, they take a mile and and that's what they've been doing. And, and I think that's, you know, for the people who were easily, you know, scared or fear mongered into this, um, And, you know, the other thing I want to add here, just being a holistic health coach for me, I've always been an advocate for taking responsibility for myself, my health, my mental health, my wellness. I don't leave my health up to anybody else. It's nobody's responsibility except for mine to take care of me and, of course, my children you know, we, we spend extra money on food that's not poisoned. We take supplements. We spend extra money on essential oils. We spend extra money on products that don't have chemicals in them. We go, we bend over backwards and go out of our way to be healthy. And we live in a society where people have become kind of, uh, I guess, you, like that quick fix, that fast food, you know, we're in the fast food era of everything, like a pill for every ill. Oh, I'm not feeling good. Hey, doctor, give me a pill. Um, I I don't want to get COVID. So instead of, you know, reducing my obesity and making sure my vitamin D levels are accurate and making sure I'm healthy and exercising, hey, how about I just take an injection? That's so much easier. Um, People don't want to take responsibility for themselves because that's so much harder and more time consuming. It feels so much easier to just, hey, look at me. I'm wearing a mask. I'm protecting everybody and myself. Like it's the easiest thing on the planet to put on a mask and say you're doing your part or stay six feet away from somebody, stand on a sticker on the grocery store and feel all good about yourself or go get an injection and feel all good about yourself. How much harder is it to make daily, hourly, hourly decisions. Every day I make hourly decisions for myself and my family to eat organic, eat real food, drink water, exercise, not consume toxins, chemicals, spending extra money, paying into, you know, you live in Canada, like paying into a healthcare system that I don't even use for the most part, right? How much more work is that? Then just roll up my sleeves and like, you know, like go get my injection and they give me a free ice cream or a free hot dog. I mean, we just live in this crazy backwards society. It's like I literally bend over backwards to keep myself and my family healthy. I I make decisions every moment of every hour of every day to try to keep us as healthy as possible. And yet there are people out there who it's that's too much for them. They're 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 programmed to um, not want to do anything for themselves because that's too much work. It's so much easier to just take a pill. 
Yeah. And it's so much easier for some people just to take direction and to, especially yes. if they don't know, you know, it's like, okay, like this is what they're saying. And I, and I always say this too. I'm like, I don't think people understand how easy it is to control people. Once you established a centralized authority, once exactly. you establish that authority, that authority can say whatever it wants. And that's kind of what I see with the medical profession. It's like, you just have to send out that one official memo that tells everybody that memo is going to go everywhere. And all of a sudden that becomes the narrative. And then that gets like trickled down to everybody else, the patients, everybody. And that it's just, it just becomes the way it is. So we, we have to stay questioning and um, wow, what a, it sounds like so divine that you have all of this experience. Like, you know, I always feel like whenever I talk to people, I feel like our life is always taking us exactly where we need to be. And it sounds like, you know, especially with you having all of this, um, you know, having a history working in the pharmaceutical industry, it gives you so much, um, yeah, it just gives you such a wonderful voice to speak out about everything that's happening now. So, um, Sunit, thank you so much for chatting uh, with me today. And can you tell people where can they find you if they want to learn more about you and what you're doing? Well, Instagram's pretty much where I hang out. My handle is Sunit Speaks. So it's S-U-N-I-T-S-P-E-A-K-S. Um, so that's kind of where I spend a majority of my time just kind of throwing stuff out there. And as you know, I, I have recently discovered Twitter and I love to troll Trudeau and just have some fun with politicians and make people laugh with my one-liners. Um, but other than that, I do have a, you know, I have a podcast called The Holy Life. The Holy is spelt um, H-O-L-I. And I have a website, theholylife.com. Uh, it's just a landing page right now, but you know, I, I I leave it up for anybody who wants to just sign on, get on my email list. I don't send newsletters or anything right now as I've stepped back and I'm focused more on just momming and homeschooling and my activism. Uh, but once I kind of relaunch some of my holistic health programs and kind of get back into the swing of things, uh, I will be, you know, kind of connecting back in with, with that, um, with that email list. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I feel like a lot of censorship going on. I've lost access to my account a few times as well. So I always say to people every now and then, like, hey, you know, just go sign up to my email list just in case we get disconnected on social media. Um, so yeah, that's kind of pretty much all the, all the places you can find me and, and stay in contact with me. Yeah, thank you. And I want to affirm that actually that it's a great idea for everybody to make connections with people outside of social media, the people that you want to stay connected to and, and stay following and whatnot, because they really are censoring people more than ever. And especially on certain topics, uh, this one is, I, I get shadow banned a lot and I try to, you know, I've found a way to talk about things in a really sort of a little bit more subtle way. And I also don't always talk about things directly on social media. I kind of, the, my podcast is part of that, you know, is like, right. it's, it's like people have to take that extra step to, to and then that's that's good right because people won't you know most people who are there to clown or troll usually won't always do that but although you never know but um yeah so definitely everyone go go head over and follow follow her at, at her sunit speaks on instagram because you're hilarious and you're thank you so much for making us laugh right now because it is like it's so necessary and i just i want him to reply back to you what do you think I know it's so funny. Well, first of all, the funny thing is I don't consider myself a funny person. Like, you know, like when you and I are talking right now, like I, you know, I, I, I usually just have like real conversations with people. Um, but the one liners, because I've always been somebody that recognizes hypocrisy very easily. So, and this look at this time, it's just the hypocrisy it's day after day after day. And so for me, that is what's easy to, to poke fun at is the hypocrisy and, and make it humorous. So yeah, I discovered that I could just message him on Twitter. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't even know if he manages his own account or what. Like, I, you know, everybody knows Donald Trump was in charge of his own account, right? Like, people always talk about how he's like, needs to have Twitter taken away from him. Trudeau, I honestly have no idea what's going on with him or if somebody else is managing his account or what. Um, that would be great if he responded back to me. But um, I think really just my comments just make people giggle and they bring people joy and... I just, yeah, I, I, that's why I do it. That'd be great if you responded back to me one day, but I don't oh. think that's going to happen. 
Well, I have to say, I've gotten a lot of joy and laughs out of reading both the responses to both yours, but also just in general, going to his page and Jagmeet's page and seeing the number of people. I'm like, I'm like, somebody's got to be reading these posts. And the response is so overwhelmingly, you know, negative. And again, I love to see that it's from all kinds of people now, double vaccinated people, people from all walks of life, everybody. I think many more people are are waking up to this and uh, will continue to do so. Some people may never, but I I do think a lot more still are, uh, they're, they're on their way there. Yeah. Have you, are you, you're in BC, right? Yes. Yeah. So actually, you know who you uh, else you need to look at on Twitter now is Adrian Dix and John Horgan. Um, Lately, I've been kind of like checking out their Twitter and like Adrian Dix is, he's kind of like Justin Trudeau almost like every day. He's like, we now have 2.555 million people with their third booster. Like he's just constantly (laughs) announcing the number going up. And, you know, if you look at the comments under it, it's like, who cares? And people are like saying stuff like, doesn't matter, open BC up. Cause BC is very, you know, pretty limited compared to the rest of the world. Who knows what their agenda is. Let's play a topic for another day. But um, they're, they're another two, two people that you could go check out. And it, it's really nice to f- see people saying, okay, nobody cares. Stop talking about vaccinations. When are you going to open up the province? Um, so, you know, I, we're going down a bad direction, but I feel hope. Yes, I do too. And that's the perfect uh, place to end this off. And yes. I, I, I absolutely feel, and what I, I also will share that um, when I, what I was shown in my visions when this all started was that um, the light would win, that everything would be taken to the highest courts um, in the in international and national levels and that everything would be exposed and shown and that the, you know, on the other side of this, there would be a, a lot of beauty for a lot of people. So I think we're still in it. Um, oh, but yeah. I, you can also see it's starting to fall apart more and more every day. It's like even the amount of people waking up, the amount of people speaking out, the amount of holes in the whole story is just ridiculous. Like at a certain point, I think a lot of people are going to start connecting some dots, but there's also, um, you know, I call this time the great humbling because I'm like, Mm. those of us who know we can't be all up in it, like all up on our high horse. Like, well, I knew all along, ha ha, like you're a sheep and you're stupid. Like that doesn't work. And the people didn't know and who were maybe manipulated and coerced and maybe fooled, they're going to have to be humble enough to say, Hey, I was wrong. You know, I was wrong. I didn't, you know, I didn't see maybe, maybe I'm willing to consider another perspective. So either way, cause I've seen, I've seen people get humbled on both sides. Anyone who goes, it's very interesting time. I've seen this many times. Anyone who kind of goes too far into their, on their high horse on either side, something seems to happen. So I think it's, Ultimately, I think it's bringing us together in some really bizarre way. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know what? Like the harder it gets, it's almost like the more light is being shown on the darkness, right? And now you look at, okay, BC is the only province that hasn't, they just seem to be getting worse and worse in a way. So people are like, oh, is the science different here? And you know, what? like the rest of the world, COVID's over practically. Places are opening up. Um, now there's like, you know, Russia and Ukraine, like that's all happening and that's all the news is talking about. So what, what, so I do feel like it's really waking people up more so here and that's necessary. It's, this is a necessary time. Like the harder it feels, it feels hard in the moment, but it's like, it's a necessary hard. It's a necessary time. It is a necessary time. It is. Yeah. And I think um, overall, it's going to lead to the, the great awakening, really. And it, it already is, because I think this had to happen in order to really expose the. Because a lot of this stuff has always been happening. It's just that this has been the biggest, like, large scale kind of launch of this, like, worldwide. This one, this one affected the entire world. I mean, even yes. that they could get the entire world to be home at the same time. Like, how is that even possible? Like, I think about this all the time, too. I'm like, how could that have just been executed like that, you know? Somehow the entire media got together, like the entire world was joined and got the entire world to stay home for like a month or two months or however that initial period was. Like, how does that happen? You know, that that's that was no that was no accident. Like this this was all oh, planned a long yeah. time before this any of this started, right? Such a well orchestrated plan that's probably been in the making for decades. I mean, you know, um, I know I said I had to hard stop at three, but I have a few minutes, so I'm okay. Um, something I just wanted to point out that if people have and notice this it's like look at all the people who are at the top like you look at the Klaus Schwab's of the world the um you know what what's his name Soros and kind of like these uh gate like all these people are literally in their seven of Fauci their 70s and 80s so when you really think about it, it's like what why haven't these people just retired and gone away 
And so you have to kind of start to think like, you know, and then uh, what's his name? Klaus Schwab. He's kind of bragging about, oh, you know, we've got the, uh, the half the cabinet in Canada is like young World Economic Forum leaders that we've infiltrated the cabinets. Like he's on video saying stuff like that. And these people are in their kind of 40s and 50s now. So they've kind of coddled these people, br brought them up through the World Economic Forum, groomed them. And there is a whole purpose behind it. It's like, this has been going on for decades, what's happening right now. And people need to really stop and ask why an 80-something-year-old man is still so invested in what's going on in the world. And who has he, you know, how long has he been at this? Um, I only learned about the World Economic Forum like a couple of years ago, right? But I'm sure they've, they've, been, they've been around forever. And he's been at this for a very long time. And so when you really start to think about that, it's like, this is not going to end just, you know, in a year or two years, you know, while we've been in it for two years. Um, it took a long time for them to plan this and perfectly orchestrate this. So we have to be patient because it's going to take time for us to dismantle it. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And that was my sense from the get-go too. I was like, okay, this is going to be a long haul. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. This is going to be, and like you said, it's, it's just so massive that it's, it's going to take time to unfold. And, you know, just to speak to that, I mean, I've heard that again, it's hard to know exactly what's the truth. I've heard that this has been planned for over a hundred years. And I was in a clubhouse room actually last year with a gentleman who was, um, he's involved in, you know, some kind of like Freemasonry, but like high up in the, in the ranks and his, you know, he's become outspoken and a whistleblower of that. He was informed about this five years ago exactly they wow. were brought into a meeting and they were told and now he's you know gotten threats and I think they tried to burn his home down and all this kind of stuff because he's chosen to to speak out of it but he was told about all of this five years ago they were all sat down because of their I guess his family also are also high rank ranking masons so he kind of got ushered in and was in like a higher rank mm -hmm. and um they were all told about this and so now he's um you know being very courageous in in speaking out about it because it's not been a it's not been an easy time for him but you know again you know intuitive I believe him I heard him and I'm like oh yeah you know I believe it and even for me like when this I knew something like this was going to happen in our lifetime I didn't know exactly what it was but I felt that from the time that my my spiritual journey started quite young like you know, like right when I was like about eight, you know, when I was a teenager, basically. And so I always had this sense something was going to happen. And when this started, I was like, oh, here we go. Like, this is it. This is the thing. And I was like, wow, like I had no idea it was going to be like this, like, you know, this crazy virus, you know. Yeah. But and I mean, imagine the planning, you know, kudos to them, like the amount of planning and um, how well orchestrated this all is, how they've raised these people up through the, you know, the indoctrination, the Trudeaus of the world, the, the what's her name, Christian Freeland, like she's such a psychopath, right? Um, her grandfather was a Nazi. Like, you know, these people have infiltrated from, this has been planned for so long. So, but the one thing I always say to people when people are like, well, this is going to hit the whole world and there's nothing changing and there's nothing stopping it. I always say the one thing I don't think that they, these people counted on is the, the power of awakening and humanity coming together. You, you can plan all you want, but at the end of the day, this is not a movie. This is not a computer program. This is real life. And you cannot always predict how people are going to um, respond, right? So yeah, maybe Canada's been a little slow to wake up, but you know, look at what happened with the convoy. A lot of people are like, oh, that's a PSYOP or it's controlled opposition or, you know, who are the organizers? And I just, I just would say to everybody, I, I don't really care about that. Yeah, maybe... Whoever was on the kind of very, very inside of this, maybe there's some shady things happening. Maybe some shady people have attached themselves to this movement. Maybe, you know, that money is gone. Like, but look at what it did for the rest of the country. We literally mobilized. We had hundreds, if not thousands of people on every overpass between here and Ottawa. And every weekend there was rallies, people, you know, getting their own convoys together in every major city. Calgary had 10,000 people turn up last weekend. So this is what the, un the unexpected is, right? That's not in the plan is they don't always plan for the human side of it. And this is where my hope comes in. It's like, I, I don't like it when people are like, oh, well, this is just the plan and this is how it's going to go. It's like, well, no, it doesn't have to go that way. Um, yeah, it will go that way if we sit back and do nothing. But if we awaken, there's only so much planning you can do before somebody thwarts your plans if they kind of act in a way that you didn't expect. So I think that's what's next is 
we really need to keep awakening and we really need to keep pushing. And um, I, I think that that human side of it is something that they can never be prepared for and they have no idea how people are going to react. So that's what we have going for us. Yeah, and, and, and as I see it, one, le- one level of what's going on is actually to block the awakening because people don't realize this, but the, the dark side or whatever you want to call them, like whoever you want to call these people, the psychopaths, the whoever they are, like they actually work with astrology and they follow planetary movements and they have always worked with the occult. And so they know that we are actually scheduled during this time to have this grand awakening. So that is actually partly what I believe the, the V is also about as well. And when I say that, I, I, I also have a theory that many people who have taken it either got placebo and or they're able to to override it but you know mm-hmm. this is this is one of the things that we know potentially about this is that it is affecting the the dna in a certain way that is um you know perhaps turning off certain you know bridgeways or connections to to people and their own you know connection to the divine and whatnot mm-hmm. as well so the more of us that stand in our awakening and stay in that place and stay in the heart this is actually a war on consciousness right so the more of us who just keep awakening and keep expanding and keep showing up in the heart and raising our vibration or being in that place as as soon as enough of us do that it's like the hundred monkey syndrome right it's like the butterfly effect we will see awakening happening everywhere and that is what they fear they fear people waking up and and claiming their own sovereignty and their own power and every single one of us that does that at this time is doing all of humanity a great gift and that is ultimately what i see when enough of us stand together then we will um it will just happen, whether it's directly or indirectly. And I've seen this happen the whole time. We've even seen this happen in the last few weeks. All of a sudden, you know, something's happening and then it's not. Something's happening and then it's not, right? And some people say yeah. it's smoke and mirrors. We don't know. But I also think, I also think we're winning. <laughs> I really do. I think, I think we are. It doesn't always appear that way, but I really do think that um, we are making strides and um, we have to just continue forward. So thank you so much for, for everything that you're, you're doing. And I just love your, <laughs> I love your one-liners. Keep them coming. And yeah, I hope he replies to you one day. That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's lovely. It was lovely chatting with you. I appreciate it. Yes, you as well. Thank you, Sunit. And everyone, you can find her at Sunit Carr once again on Instagram. Thank you, everyone. Ciao. You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.